Welcome to episode 417 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Team, welcome along to episode 417 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? Sensational. Sensational. I went to the league the other day. The State of Origin? No, no, that's on this week or next week. No, we went and saw the Storm. The Storm. We're bringing on a Storm. Play the uh, the Roosters. Oh, very good. Sonny Bill Williams is a big boy. Oh, oh yeah, but he's, he's a bloody freaking nature, that kid is. I can say kid now because we're a little bit older than them nowadays, aren't we? We are indeed. They are those young kids. Okay, guys, I'm Talkers proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com Get the decaf team. Athlinks.com Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic puffer. Trainerroad.com The best indoor tool you can get. And slstry.com. Oh, the phone is buzzing and it's saying slstry yep, is the best thing in the world. No, it's Bevan texting me. I'm restarting my computer. I'll probably be 10 to 15 minutes. Oh, wow. I sent that like 10, 15 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. I did. I sent that uh, a while ago. Anyway, it worked out. We're having technical problems. I'm in Melbourne today and John's in, in his studio, in his home That's office. Right. You got a new, new you, you need to clean out your, your back area a little bit there, mate. It's not the most organized area. It's called being, uh, it's called post-epic camp um, catch-up mode. Oh, is it, is, it, is it, but does it always look like that? Of course it doesn't. So does it last a year, does it? It does last a while. Okay, guys. <laughs> it does last a On this while. week's show, we've got a bit of news. We've got an age group of the week. We've got a website of the week. We've got Coach's Corner, which is what's happening there, Jumbo. Bit of Project 2014 update, kind of, kind of recap uh, part three, and, <laughs> uh, and uh, basically... Kona is in 124 days, Bevan. It's it's on. I, I saw your Facebook post about having to lose a bit of weight, so time it's, to sharpen up, is it? Fight, fight the flab. Fight the flab. That's the only reason you're doing the race. Um, nicknames, I didn't get time to do my nicknames because I only got the email this morning, so John's going to do a few nicknames at the end. So those who did donate to the book um, or went into the draw to win the Kona trip, we are going to, still doing some nicknames. So John will do some of them and we'll get them done over the next few weeks. Anyway, news, we had the one of the fifth, well, not the first Ironman of the year, but one of the, you know, well, halfway through the year, really. But anyway, we had Ironman Cairns happen this weekend and a great race, Jumbo. Grandpa took took the bacon. 42 years old, the oldest ever Ironman winner ever. That was pretty cool. So that was Cameron Brown, the Kiwi, um, took it out and, and really had a good, obviously one, but he had a very good day at the office, you know. Yeah, he's 42. Yeah, it's probably not the strongest field in the world, but there's some, there were some good guys there. And when I look at his results, so Cam Brown swam 55. It was a, a slow swim by everybody. You know, the top guys uh, were, were hardly even breaking 50. You know, you had um, Vatten Burkle was only 52. Peter Robinson was one of the first out of the water. 
So you know, compare that to say in Ironman New Zealand, about five minutes, four or five minutes difference. So it was pretty choppy. And that's probably the one thing I'll say about the day. It looked terrible. And from the reports I've had, it basically just rained all day. But back to Cam Brown, um, Road 436, there was a, a pack of them. It was sort of four to five for the most part of the bike. And then ran a 244. And wow. Now, when you go around most of the races around the, the world, you know, yeah, you've got Rote and you've got a couple of other ones where they run a little bit quicker, but 244 is very, very solid. You don't see many run splits quicker than that. Guy's 42, and uh, it's, just, it's bloody impressive. Well, he's had a bloody good season because last year wasn't a really great year for him, you know, like he didn't have the results. Yeah, which, was the, which was the Melbourne year? Was that last year? Oh, no, Melbourne. Was it Melbourne year last year or was it the year before? Or maybe Melbourne was the only good race you had last year, but last year wasn't. Whereas this year, this season at least, if you kind of go from kind of October forward, he's he's had a great season, hasn't he? He did, he has. You know, he had a very, very strong New Zealand season. He won a half Ironman at Port of Tauranga, which um, he just dominated the dojo. He had a brilliant race at uh, 70.3 in Auckland, which was a totally stacked field. And then, uh, you know, got second in Ironman New Zealand, but really, you know, had a very, very good very good race. And just somebody on that day had an exceptional race. So, yeah, he's um, he's looking good. You know, what I hope, I hope he doesn't go to Kona. No, so uh, we're on the street as he's not. So um, yeah. Joe Baxter was talking to him and, and he said, no, he's not going to go to Kona. He's looking at doing Lankawi and maybe Metaman. So, yeah, so I think that's the way he's got to go. You know, he can still make, um, you know, go around making some good money off these races. And he has his show for many, many years now. He's just, his swim's not there in Kona. And if you're not there in that pack, you know, best he can hope for would be sort of running his way into the top 10. But, you know, I think he'd he'd, he'd do better by going off and doing another race somewhere Which else one? in the world. Is, is Metaman the one where the, the 100K... The big prize purse. It's a big, pri- big, big prize purse. Yeah. So um, and it's around yeah. August. So it's it's a, for a guy like Cameron Brown who is in the kind of like twilight, but still obviously kind of dominant in dojo and the races he turns up to. It's a really good chance for him to cash in in this last part of his career, isn't it? Totally. So, but the story of the day, Peter, well, not the story of the day. The story of the day was Cameron Brown. But Peter Robinson um, was riding solo for a while there on the bike, and then they came together. Um, and coming off the bike, it was Cam Brown, Tim Burkle, Peter Robinson. I think it was Matt Burton and maybe somebody else as well. And then um, I'm not sure how long they ran together, but Cam ended up putting you know three or four minutes into them and winning an eight twenty fifteen. And uh, and Burkle was second, and uh, Robbo blew up a bit, but apparently came back strong just towards the end of the run. And managed to get up back up to third place. Only ran a two fifty eight. So he's. I put a post on his uh, on his Twitter account to see if we can get him on a show. Haven't heard back. Torsten backed uh, followed that up with a post um, saying that he's have still won't have anywhere enough near enough points. And Peter Robinson replied to that. Go shove your points. Uh, <laughs> 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 so he's still got quite a bit of work to do, I think, to get to, to Kona. So I think he's, uh, I think he maybe has 2,600 points now, possibly. I'll have a look at that in a moment. But he, he'll need to have some good 70.3s or go and do another Ironman somewhere to get up to that level of points to qualify for Kona, which is sort of in the mid three and a half thousands, according to, to Okay, Torsten, so, if, if, so if you're not getting a battle of words here, do you think he can make, do you think he will make Kona? Um... Don't know. Don't know. If he does, he's done a lot of racing. Um, yeah, well, he did, did Melbourne. He's done Cairns. He's he just did another Ironman. I think if he turns up, I don't think he'll be um, he'll be a force anyway. He hasn't shown anything that he's going to be an amazing force. You know, he ran two fifty eight there. Nothing special. Um, 
yeah, so it'd be could be quite cool to have him there, but I don't think he'll be a factor even if he does make it. Okay, then uh, Liz Blatchford took it out and uh, quite a comfortable win in the end. It was, she, and it would have been more comfortable had she not uh, got incurred a drafting penalty. So she seems to get a penalty in most races that she's done. Well, I know she got one for littering in Kona last year. So swam 52, um, rode 5.13, but you can take four minutes off that, and then ran a 3.06. Um, but I will say that fantastic performance from the Kiwi Mal Burke, who you know, rode... Even if Liz Blatchford hadn't had the drafting penalty, she still would have rode a lot of time out of her. Um, she's Unfortunately, she's a former duathlete and pretty crap swimmer, so she swam, swam 106, biked five hours, and then ran 312 for a 9.22. So really solid, and she beat, beat Asa Lidstrom from Sweden, who's, um, I'm pretty sure she's an Ironman winner, and beat her by three minutes. So pretty pretty solid day at the office there. Good times. Um, a couple other pre- stories. Yeah, the tear jerker. Where did that one yeah. come through from? Uh, so, who sent that one through? Um, I think it might have been Cherie from Australia. She said, uh, firstly, great win by Liz Blatchford here in Cairns. Friday, a friend of mine had a ra- had race wheel issues. I got uh, Steph Hansen from WhatsApp uh, to put, a, put out a tweet for a spare uh, rear race wheel and who responded at first and delivered a wheel Liz Blatchford that's yeah, what cool. makes our sport special that's pretty cool um, and, and I don't know Bevan have you looked at the uh, the tearjerker one that I've put down there or not yeah I did so, so the story is now John I can't really put up the internet because um, it slows okay. you down as, as we're talking so basically maybe you tell the story on this one yeah so this is pretty impressive uh, so it's called Shining for Shan and this was a lady that got basically taken through the Ironman at the weekend, a bit like um, Dick Ho- Rick and Dick Hoyt. Uh, she's suffers from ALS, I think. Yeah, uh, um, it is ALS. Yeah, ALS. And so basically, it's a full-on story. She she's only thirty, and her name's Shan. Uh, she's Australian, and basically last year in twenty thirteen, got diagnosed with um, ALS, and boom, she is now just wasting away big time so a bunch of her she, when she before this all happened she wanted to do an Ironman at some stage and so her and some of her mates got together and they basically dragged her through a race so in the swim um, they pulled her on a canoe on the bike she basically sat in like a, a buggy behind a, behind a bike and then on the run I didn't see any pictures but I assume they just pushed her in a, in a wheelchair all the way through the run I'm not sure if it was one person doing it the whole way through but when they finished there was a team of them so I'm not sure if they raced together or they shared um, doing the pulling work but it's pretty impressive. If you want to see it, um, she's got a there's a Facebook page, Shining for Shan, um, or you can go shiningforshan.org.au, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's a pretty uh, it is a bit of a tearjerker, that's for sure. So motor neuron disease is what she's got, which I think is very similar to what John Blaze ha- had, which was a guy who a lot of people now roll over the finish line for. So she yeah. looks like, you know, a fantastic, um, it was a fantastic yeah, Basically, thing to do. your muscles stop working and, and so eventually you kind of just suffocate and it's, yeah, it's not, a, mm. it's not a very nice way to go. Um, she, she's do, as they are doing some fundraising on her website in regards to helping mm. her get some treatment. So if you want to go to her website, it is shining for Shan and the four is the number four, .org.au and I'll put a link to that on www.imtalk.me and, um, and there's just a little link there you can go donate to help her kind of do some fundraising to get some medical treatment overseas so uh, as John was saying it's pretty phenomenal and, and you know what it's a pretty horrible thing that she's going through and, and it sounds like she's 
as a character is a pretty amazing person. But it's also one of those, like you were talking about before with Liz Blatchford with The Wheel, is that it's just one of those things where a great bunch of people are getting behind someone they really care about and doing something great with our sport. And it's a pretty special story, mm-hmm. eh, John? Oh, yeah. No, then they've got a couple of clips of her. She, she, they only came in at like about 16 and a half hours. And there's a there's a, YouTube, a video clip on her um, Facebook page of the coming down the finishing shoot and it's pissing down with rain, but there's a fair, uh, a fair raucous going on. And, um, yeah, just something very, very nice that, that her mates did for her. And, um, yeah, it's just it's a pretty, pretty sad story, though. Uh, just on that weather front, Matthew Bin sent me through an email with a photo saying, uh, Ken Brown in the swim. <laughs> it was just this picture of this guy like fighting like crocodiles almost and this storm coming over him. It was pretty funny. Uh, Challenge mm. Bahrain have now announced what the, even the money splits are going to be between the men's and the female field. They're going to be playing 10 down. It's pretty interesting kind of split here, John. Good kind of race really, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so 100k for first, uh, 50k for second, 25 third, 12, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. So $3,000 for 10th place. We remember this is a, a half distance race, not a, not a full. And so you match that up to any other half around the world. And uh, it's you know not really very comparable to the minutes. It's way more than anything anywhere else in the world. Uh, what, for do you, a half. what do you win for the lowest half in the 70.3? What's the le- least? Payday, you'll get oh. in, in, in the WTC, 70.3. I wish you'd ask me these questions when I had some time to prepare, Bevan, oh, but you, you, you go on about how much of a wonderful race this is going to be, and um, and I will find that out for you. Well, like if we do look at the prize money, it's just really, it's A, one thing that's good is that it is the same for the men and the women, which is great. Um, but B, more importantly, it's just, you know, like the top 10 people are going to turn up and, you know, pretty much got to get a payday in a good way you know not not a kind of piss poor payday and like if you turn up to a 70.3 where you get 10th you probably get nothing nowadays because they're probably pay eight deep so um yeah that's, that's <laughs> i'm still working on it bevan you uh, gotta you gotta pay longer than that oh bahrain it's uh, apparently a beautiful place bit of slavery that's not good but <laughs> the other the other one that they're um the other thing they're doing for the pros there as well is They've got some package going on to, to hang out with the prince and basically be with the royal family, and I think that's a pretty unique thing for the pros. Uh, you've got to commit to doing a couple of other challenge races, and if you do that, then you get, I think, what they're calling the royal treatment, and, and knowing what those places are like, the royal treatment would be pretty out of this world. I once went to Abu Dhabi, and I uh, went to a restaurant, and it was like a seven-star hotel. It was like it was a crazy hotel. And it was the most unbelievable feast I ever had, John. It was seriously unbelievable. So in that part of the world, there's definitely a lot of money. So if you get to hang out with the prince, I tell you. He's got a concentration face on. What's, what, what are you finding here? Well, yeah, you wanted to find out the prize money for, for 70.3s and things like that. And how's it and going? I'm going to put it out there that it's not, it's not a lot for some of those 70.3s. And I'm going to say 1500 bucks would be the lowest prize for first a winner. place price for, for a winner. I'm, I'm, I'm just putting that out there. It, it might be a little bit off, but I, I wouldn't suspect it's much more than that at the lowest level. Uh, I know the 70.3 worlds, I think that's got about 200 and Fifty thousand dollars off the top of my head for the for the prize purse, um, but uh, well, it's, it's just, not you know, if, you, if you're like a, a pro who might might not get the top five in this race, but can still turn up and maybe pull off for like a, a fifth to tenth, you're going to get a, a better payday than what you were if you were to turn up to a seventy point three, you know, a lesser seventy point three, and kind of maybe win it. So it will be interesting to see the field. It's a good time of year. It's post Kona, so it's a good time of year. Um, 
it's massive prize money, so it'll be really interesting to see what kind of field they draw to this race. Well, they've already confirmed Pete Jacobs and uh, Marinda Carfrey and a bunch of others. Um, Dirk Bockel, I think I saw his name down there as well. So, you know, uh, they're, they're going to get some some big kahunas there. Well, the other thing that's nice about it is it doesn't really, A, the time of year, and B, the distance of the race, it's not going to really hurt, affect those athletes who do need to qualify for Kona in their kind of points scheme of things. So, you know, in that way, it, it, look, it could be, you know, it will be a world championship kind of field, won't it? It should be. Should yeah. be indeed. Imagine if they called it the World weekend. Championship. Um, well, Challenge don't do things like that um, <laughs> from what I've seen. You know, they very much align themselves a bit more with, with ITU um, and they want to be an official championship race. You know, so this weekend in Kreischgau, they've got uh, Challenge 70.3 and that's, I think, maybe the, the national championship for that country. And then with the... With Rote in the past, they've had that as the um, European, European championships. championships and things like that, but that's all sanctioned by the ITU. So I, I would be surprised if they just went out there and called themselves a, a world championship. They might call it a challenge championship, but um, I'd be surprised if they called it an unsanctioned world championship. Okay, this weekend, what's up? We've got the Schloss Triathlon in Germany. We've got the Ardgarden Iron Distance Race in Scotland. We've got the... Balaton Man in Hungary and the North West Tri Man in Spain. No challenge or WTC races coming up this weekend. Okay, 70.3s happened over the weekend. And look, we had a pretty close race between Andrew Stuckowitz and Christopher O'Donnell. Or Tim O'Donnell? Tim O'Donnell. I, got the, I, was, I was focusing on the, the last name to make sure I got it right and I got the yeah. first Good old Tim. Uh, five seconds. And I think what's, whilst that's incredibly close, I'm not sure if it ended up being a, a really tight sprint finish or Andrew Starkowitz was was easing up and enjoying the crowd. Um, but Andrew Starkowitz put in a really good run split, you know, 117.27. Wow. Put three minutes into them on the bike. But the fact that, you know, 117 is not farting around. Uh, Tim O'Donnell came home in 114, as did Leon Griffin and Bevan Doherty. But, um, you know, to only be losing three minutes to those guys, that's that's pretty solid and he looks terrible when, when, when we saw the footage of him in Kona he looked absolutely terrible running technique but if you can run a 117 you know if he can if he can be knocking out three hours or just a little bit under three hours in Kona you know I still don't think he'll be a force to, to win but he could still be a force to be in the, in the top five so impressive racing by him Tim O'Donnell just missed out on the bacon there Bevan Doherty got a, a drafting penalty so unfortunately he was out of the game um other 70.3 news what, what, we had um, was in... What, what did Freddie Van Leer run in Kona last year? Wasn't anything special. Yeah, because like, last year wasn't... I'm going to put it out there that it was... Uh, didn't he get... Did he get outrun by Miranda Carfrey? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it was 250-ish. Okay. Wasn't fast. Okay. And then uh, we also had Joycey come in second in some... What race was that? Kansas 70.3 maybe? Kansas 70.3. And probably what the interesting thing for me here was, um, not so much that um, Joycey got second. It didn't look like she had the strongest day at the office, but I thought, who the hell was the person that beat her? And it seems Ruth Brennan Moray. So she beat Joycey by one minute. She rode three minutes out of Joycey and then ran another minute out of her um, to finish in 4.13. And I thought, I've never seen that name before. So I plugged it into Google and that, and, and this Ruth Brennan Moray is thirty. Uh, what is she? Thirty-eight years old. She's got three kids. Um, really? And she's still pretty new to the sport, but she's given it a go. She she 
at recent, well, not recently, but she qualified for the U.S. Marathon Trials in uh, I think 2000. She ran a 2:48 there, but she's a bit of a brainiac. I think she's a, uh, got a PhD in psychology. Um, so I've been good at everything, Ruth. <laughs> yeah, but she and she's got three kids, uh, three young kids. You know, I think it was three, seven, and nine or something like that. So. I was pretty impressed by that, and she's thinking she's she's going to give um, racing pro a crack, and she's going to try to start a Kona campaign later this year, and then do Kona in twenty fifteen. Was she racing as an age group? Saw... No, she's racing as a pro now. Oh, she is racing. But as I saw a pro. this article on triathloncompetitor.com, and next year twenty fifteen in Kona, she's going to be it's her birthday. So kind of cool way to kick off. Uh, it's going to be her fortieth birthday, wow. and she's going to try to race Kona on her fortieth. Oh, good on it. Okay, Jombo, we're just it's getting to that time of year. We're going to have the cutoff for the points ranking. So the cutoff time for the KPR is on the 27th of July. So for those athletes who are trying to get in that first cutoff, now that, at that stage it's the top 40 male and the top 30, I mean, sorry, 28 female pros get locked in for Kona at that stage. And if you're a pro, ideally you want to be in that slot off then so they don't have to worry and you kind of focus on Kona from there. But that happens on the 27th of July. So we, what's happening on the... Is it in the rankings right now, Jumbo? Well, I think the reason why I brought this up, I'm just interested to see how Bevan Doherty's tracking. And uh, Torsten said, I think it's 3,600 points that he's predicted you need. And I was just interested to see how Bevan's going. Uh, he now has his Ironman Texas, 2,000 points. And then he had a 70.3 in New Zealand, Eagleman, uh, which was at the weekend, and St. George. And so he's now up to 3,675 points. So in theory, he's 75 points uh, over the threshold. He's now in 27th place. Um, but I'm sure a few guys will leapfrog him so I think that's the reason why I brought this up was uh, I was just interested to see where Bevan falls but he's in 27th there will be a number of guys above Bevan that won't be going to Kona so Crowey's already said he won't go uh, Frederick Van Leer will already have his slot um, because he's won the event and there'll be one or two others I'm sure that'll drop out so yeah I'm just really second. interested to see if, if Freddie Van Leer's slot will still be taken off the total number of pros so it's not taken out of that out of the allocated uh, fifty. I'm, I'm almost positive of that. Well, when and then you add on the next ten. I think it's fifty plus those past champions. Oh, okay. I didn't realise that. I thought it was just fifty, and then if those guys turned up, they have there was less slots available for everyone else. Torsten, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. I'm pretty sure if 50 plus, there's only going to be a couple. You know, it'll be this year. It'll be Free Van Laird, um, probably Farisal Sultan. Crowey's not racing. Mac is not racing. Are there any other former champions that have uh, that are still racing? Does Similar Ferris deal on the girls' side. Because I thought it was only for a certain period of time that you got your free yeah, slot. I'm not sure. Not sure. Like Ferris might be. qualify, but uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. so yeah. So coming on the soon. girls' side of things, I suppose you'd have uh, the only current champions would be. Marinda Carfrey and Leander Cave, and Leander Cave hasn't been up to much of late either. So I guess that's the main thing for me was to see how Bevan Doherty's tracking and if anybody else is still in major trouble. Nobody's going to overhaul Sebastian Keenlay, who's the number one ranked athlete despite not having done any uh, iron distance races this year, so he still has to validate somewhere. But when you win the world champ, when you get he, third, he was third at uh, Kona and then wins the 70.3 champs. That gives him 9,000 points, which is a lot of points. So he's first. Freddie Van Leer's still in second, having not uh, raced this season. And then um, you have Timothy O'Donnell sit, currently sitting in third. On the girls' side of things, we have... I've got to say, 
heads off to WTC. They're really keeping this updated extremely well. Okay. The um, the rankings, you know, this is results from the weekend are up there already. So Meredith Kessler sitting in first place on the girls' side of things um, with 9,800 points. Marinda Carfrey in second. And good old Joycey sitting there in third place. Good and times. good thing for Joycey is she validated early. So she did Cozumel, um, so she validated early. So her whole year, I would imagine, is going to be very much dedicated to being in top shape for Kona. Um, Miranda Carfrey did the, the same thing. She qualified in Florida. Meredith Kessler has already um, ticked that box. Out of all the um, athletes that I can see up there at the moment, uh, Caitlin Snow in ninth place is uh, one of the only that has yet to validate, uh, along with uh, Annabelle Luxford, who's probably not racing, and Heather Jackson, and Leander Cave is still yet to validate somewhere as well. Do we think if, that, in fact, she races. Yeah, do you think she's going to race? Because it's been a kind of injury-prone period for her, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really not sure. Um, so I don't know the the in sky scoop there. Joe Baxis, how about you go out there and do some research for us on uh, what Leander Cave is up to? Well, because she's an interesting case because the year she won Kona, she was dominant. She had a crushing, crushed everything that year, eh? and and like just was on fire. And then got to the finish line of Kona, and from there she's done nothing. And so and like not um, you know she's been injured. She's kind of had a bit of a rough time, obviously, kind of injury wise. But we've just not seen her at all, have we? No, so um, she's certainly not the, the force she was a couple of years ago. Mm, okay, sponsor. SLSTry.com. Bevan, they've got a full, you're going to love it, you can pick any colour just about out of sleeves these days. They've oh. got, um, so your calf sleeves we're talking here, you've got uh, blue, you got pink, you got orange, you got yellow, you got black, you got white, you got fluorescent green, so pretty much Anything, any colour you want, you can get now on SLS Try. 44 bucks for a pair of sleeves. And this item usually qualifies for free shipping in the States. Remember to use the code IMTALK. Get yourself a nice discount. But um, sleeves are the it's, – it's all happening with the sleeves, Bevan. Well, the thing about sleeves is, John, because I've been spending a lot of money over here in Melbourne on fashion. I tell you, I'm helping the Australian economy. That's all I'm saying. Because Joe and I have come here shopping, and I've outshopped Joe two to one, haven't I, babe? At least two to one. I've gone crazy because it's just so cheap. But you need a bit of colour, John. So I've got my plain, my winter yeah. colours, but you need a bit of colour. Yeah. And I think it's the same with triathlon because we like our blacks and our whites, but just, you know, a bit of sleeve, a bit of colour brings out your eyes. It- and if you want a bit of style, maybe more so for the girls, they've got the butterfly compression sleeves as well. Hey, so some boys might like that, John. Don't be such and a sexist pig. Maybe for the boys, you've got a bit of if. XC compression sleeves, which have got a little bit of a uh, little bit of design to them as well. I was thinking this morning, you know, for uh, compression socks are usually better than sleeves, but for racing, sleeves take the take the take the bacon. Because uh, I was actually at the pool this morning, and I actually had my compression socks with me because I forgot to take any regular socks out of my drawer this morning. Yep. And then my tidy office bev, and I still had a pair of compression <laughs> socks. So I took them to the pool. I was trying to get them on after the swim. It was bloody difficult. Sleeves, though, straight on in there. So for racing, sleeves are the way to go. Look after your calf muscles because um, that's what helps propel you massively on the run. You know, that's one of the main reasons I do the run-walk protocol is to give my calves a break. So I'm trying to disengage my calves when I'm uh, when I'm doing the walk. And, you know, the sleeves are there to design to to help, you know, keep your calves in better shape so you can run faster. So check it out, slstry.com, and use promo code IMTALK and get yourself any colour you want. 
Okay, John Bo. So last week's discussion of the week was. Uh, let me see. I'm just pulling up my Facebook here. Now, don't talk because you cut out as I pull up Facebook. Rolls. Rule. So basically, the question was after Crowley last week getting a penalty for some stupid rule, I can't even remember what it was, but. We're kind of wondering what are the other stupid rules in the sport that maybe we could get rid of that aren't necessarily needed and could, you know, what are the stupid rules basically? So, Jombo, maybe you could start as my Facebook page is pulling up right now. So if you didn't listen to last week's show, Crowey got disqualified for wearing a sort of uh, a short sleeve top um, during the race. He wore it during the swim, must have just had his, tri- his swim skin over the top. Um, what I'd imagine they must do at Kona time, a number of the guys wear those things, is I'd imagine they just roll them down inside their uh, inside their swim skin. So really not quite sure why he didn't do that. Um, maybe he just wore it and didn't even wear a swim skin. Uh, he got DQ'd, so a couple other guys have got some comments on there. Chris Leach, stupid M dot rule requiring bib numbers to be worn on the bike. Things flap around in the wind, can't be read anyway. And I think what you're going to find, Chris, is a lot of races now don't actually require you to wear a race number on, on the bike. I know Ironman New Zealand didn't. I know guys in Australia haven't. Kona, we certainly didn't have to on the in the C.3. So I think you're going to, you are going to see that that rule sort of phased out a bit. But on that front, John, so you're still expected to wear it on the run? Yes. Okay. So you, you why? Why? That's a good point. Why? I don't. I, I would imagine on the run maybe a bit more of a possibly a thing for the spectators. I don't know. But in terms of you, you've got you still got your timing chip on, still got your your number on your arm. Um, so yeah, I'm not quite sure why they would keep enforcing it on the run. But it's kind of cool when you've got your name on there, and I know when you're running along, a lot of people do look at your number and look you up, and, and so I guess that might be one of the reasons for it. Well, maybe one thing, like, like if we were to think kind of forward thinking, like, wouldn't it be cool instead of using that space, if, if we are going to make people wear something on the front, why wouldn't you use it like information and that spectators can get the most out of so that, um, mm. you know, it is, it's not just a small name, it's, it doesn't even have your number on it or it's a very small part of the, the front kind of, mm. and, and have your name and maybe where you're from and I don't know, just a couple kind of real key things that spectators because when you look at people who go to like the New York Marathon, they often get T-shirts printed up with all that information on it. They'll have which country they're from, their name, and all that stuff. Well, let's use that real estate in a race in a way that actually helps participants. I mean, sorry, the supporters actually yell out and give you support. And because um, it is, it's not necessary nowadays, is it? No. 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 Okay. Um, I got um, Christine McKinley not being able to run topless, and she's talking about the blokes here. So. Well, that did come up a couple of times, and Gary Hobbs sort of backed that up. Not being able to unzip a tri top for me seems an ideal way to keep cool on a hot race. What do you think, Bevan, about about guys not wearing a top in a race? It's a funny one, isn't it? Um, there are a few races where you don't have to wear them. I've seen them in the states. It just doesn't feel the same to me when guys are running around without tops on. Yeah, I know, but at the same time, like. I, <laughs> I think it's maybe just because we've got that ingrained in us because it is, like in some ways I think it must be odd to see a race where everyone had their top off. But then at the same time, guys wear boob tubes, which it's kind of a weird thing as well. And I don't know, you look at other sports, they have their tops off. So uh, to be honest, I probably think it'd be best to keep it as it is, but... So do I. But... Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Jeff Curry's got I'm in Frankfurt in 2012. I saw a DQ on the penalty board for someone twice urinating illegally. Taking the piss, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would be hard done by if you got um, 
busted for peeing on the bike if you have if you if you flop your schlong out different story but uh if you're just peeing that would be you'd be hard done by that is true Penny Cummins, being able to pee, and a bit of a peeing theme here, being able to pee in the penalty box, you should be allowed to use those six minutes however you want to as long as you're stopped. don't know if I agree with that. I think if you're in the penalty box, you are being penalised. But what if you're busting? But, but there was no reason why... someone from peeing. No, no you reason can't why pee, hold it. <laughs> hold no it tighter. you couldn't stand there and accidentally spill some water over your front while something else dribbles down your leg. Wait a second. So, so, the, so, the, so you've got toilet police in the, in the penalty box. Oh, that's gold. I love it. No, you're yeah. not allowed to pee. And then if you pee, you get a poo penalty. You're not allowed to poo for the rest of the race. <laughs> Tell you a good poo story. Here we go. This is hilarious. Uh, Graham, for people who watch Graham Norton, I'd imagine a lot of uh, yep, UK listeners um, probably do and this is on New Zealand as well. They, had a, they have a thing at the end of the show where people get to come on the show and tell their story. And there was a Kiwi guy that got to go on the show no, uh, last week yep. and he went on there. Did you see it? No, no, but tell me. No. So he went on there and he's, he's telling a story to Graham Norton. He said, right, I was out for a run with my, with my mate. My mate was busting to go for a poo and they found some – and it was in a park in London, maybe Hyde Park found some toilets but the toilets were locked and so he's busting to go and so he sees a bush runs over the bush does his business as he was in there a, a massive big dog came in and uh, just as he was leaving the dog was sort of going mucking around and then the dog's owner came over and uh and said whatever the dog's name was boo boo oh boo boo you silly dog and picked up all poo it's pretty funny oh that is gold oh would you tell them so, oh no, apparently it's a sloppy one too. Oh, yuck. Oh, anyway, uh, a bit of a, another bit of a theme that came through with a number of posts. David Yates, no nuding up in transition. Come on, surely the sport could do with a little sexing up. European races, they don't care, do they? Yeah. When we did Rosie, it was a bit of nudity. It was basically like soft yeah. porn. Okay, we've yeah. got um, Stuart Martin-Lawrence. He's got uh, the only real DQs I've seen are for littering, bad language, persistent drafting. I agree all of, all of these. It's hard to dis- be disqualified unless you do something really stupid. Final one for me, uh, Pete Griffiths. I second, uh, somebody else made this post as well. I second the can't cross your line with your kids slash family. Challenge allows it. Rev3 encourages it. I think individual athletes are smart enough to know when it's not appropriate. I think we've debated that one to death. Yep, Martin Silverstone's got, uh, no, there's a bit of a crap one. Um, try and inject the wetsuit option. Temperature is way too high. Wetsuits are meant in the case, the water temperature is super cold. It seems that they're more part of the sport now for assistance, which is probably true. John, your thoughts? Uh, I, could, I was, was having a think about this. There wasn't a huge amount of um, stupid rules. You know, there's always debate and stuff over drafting rules and packs and things like that. And, and the, the rules aren't necessarily stupid. It's just there's so many people out there. So I think the, the one thing that, um, that I found really stupid and has happened at least once over the last 12 months is there's the option of wearing a wetsuit. Um, but if you want to qualify, you can't wear them. And I think this might have ha- happened at Placid. It's like, so you're, you, you, you go on, it's a day of the race, and they say, right, um, you can wear a wetsuit if you want to, um, but if you do, you can't qualify for Kona. 
And it's like, just make a ruling. It's either wetsuit or non-wetsuit. So mm. I think that sort of comes back to Tryman Jack's post there. When, when, when the water's warm enough to not have a wetsuit, then it's a non-wetsuit swim. And you need to be prepared for that. So I think that's the only stupid rule that I came up with. The other one that seems to be quite amusing at the moment, I've been watching a number of the ITU races, which have actually been really, really good. I know we go on about how some of these races are quite boring. Yep. But I've wa- I watched London. I was on the trainer at the weekend. And I watched London and uh, I think it might have been Yokohama and maybe one other. They were brilliant. The guys' races, you know, and there's a pack of them running and there's five of them and you got all the big names and it's just warfare and you don't know what's happening. They've been absolutely brilliant. But they're very pedantic at those ITU um, World Series races about getting all your gear in the box. If your goggles fall out of the box or if your wetsuit comes out, you don't quite get it in there, 15 second penalty. And that can really be a make or break part of the race so um that was quite an interesting one but yeah for me the only one i could think up was whether the wet wetsuits are either it's a wetsuit swim or it's a not wetsuit swim and if you just can't wear it well what can i i wonder what the like the ruling around what you can wear under your wetsuit is 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 you wear was, anything under your wetsuit so what did Crowe get done for then he wore a swim skin oh uh, and he wasn't allowed to wear so swim skin. that was a non wetsuit swim so that's the, the ruling there is you cannot have anything below your shoulder uh, in a non-wetsuit swim, basically. Ah, uh, okay. Um, any so, rules that I think are stupid? Eh, not really. Like, I, I, I do go back to that one with the no family thing, but again, we've talked that to hell. So, um, yeah, I can't see why that's so much of a problem or why we can't find a better solution for, you know, have two finishing salutes or two lanes you can go down. But, um, yeah, there's plenty of... I'm not much of a rules person, John. I don't care. The rules are there ain't no rules. That's my that's my saying in life. Such a such a rebel. I know the rules are there ain't no rules. What's the movie, John? Do you know the movie? No. Oh, Grease Lightning. Oh yeah, I know Grease. Yeah. Yeah. When they when they have the car race and and the guy who's the, the, yeah. yeah he goes the rules are there ain't no rules. He's doing the funny face. Yeah, yeah. He's had acne or something. Yeah, 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 that guy. Okay, Jonbo, next week's discussion. So this week's discussion got sent through from Peter Colson, and it's just saying he wants to know where your mecca of training is in your country. So in New Zealand, it's obviously the Port Hills. And Christchurch. And <laughs> Christchurch. But in your country, each country has that place where maybe you want to go to to travel, to, to train to, or if you live in that area, it's that kind of local area where everyone knows to go to. So you, in your country, so you can't, if you're American, you can't say an Australian one, in America, where's the best place to train in America? For Kiwis and New Zealand, obviously, and so on. So he wants to know, where's your mecca? Because what he's going to do, he's planning a world tour, and he's going to go around all these locations, isn't he, John? That's right. Yep, he's taking a month off work. He's going to do a flight each week and train in all these places. So well done, Pete. Good on you. Good stuff. Okay. Age Grouper of the Week. Of the Week. Bradley Odom sent through this week's age group and he's got, I would like to, hey guys, it's Bradley Speedo Odom. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to take the time to nominate my good friend and inspiration, Harvey Gayer, as age grouper of the week. I could go on and on saying how good a triathlete he is, but he's even a better dude. He's already qualified for the Boston this year, the World 70.3s, and the World 70.3s. The reason I'm nominating Harvey is because the transformation he's done in the last 10 years. I will PM you with a couple of pictures of him via Facebook to show you the dramatic results. Now, he did send me some photos, and it is unbelievable. Did I show you those photos? No, was he a big unit, was he? Oh, he was like one of those biggest losers guys, you know, like 
yeah. a big unit and um yeah. and 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 now like triathlete you know like just yeah. lean, mean fighting machine. Um, I'll PN you with a couple of the pictures. Okay, here's a father, husband, psychologist, athlete, and also starting a coaching business. I owe him a lot in my recent success after a trip we made together two years ago. It was Harvey who told me that my diet was shit and I needed to give up all the refined carbs and bread. He got me onto UCAN and I've seen great improvements. He's well known in the area and many people look to him for advice and motivation. One day he will make it to Kona, I'm sure he uh, and I'm sure I hope I can be there with him as well. Thanks, guys, for all you do. So, nice. yeah, he's just a real classic example of someone who didn't have a very healthy lifestyle and just turned it around. And, and not just turned it around, but obviously is a pretty great athlete. He qualified for Boston in the Woods 30.3. So pretty cool stuff. Very nice. Good work. Good work, Harvey Gayer. You are our... Age group of the week. Age group of the week. Love Bevan, I've got some late-breaking news here for you. I've just had an email through from WTC. Wait a second, wait a second. Boom, 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 boom. So the all-world athletes' benefits uh, roll call is this. So if you become a gold member of the all-world athletes, which I'm will, currently uh, – You are winning. I'm, I'm not there yet, because, uh, but I will be at the end of the year. You priority entry into selected races. Yep. And all the other benefits, if you're gold, silver, or bronze, they're all the same. <laughs> so oh. that's the one benefit of being gold. You get priority check-in. You get yep. early entry to welcome banquets, special recognition recognition of your status on Ironman.com and yes. on-site race week, and access to exclusive all-world athlete gear. Oh, I'm not going to be taking advantage of any of those, unfortunately. Oh, no, well, Priority check-in, okay. Yeah. Um, but you won't get it because you're not racing next year. Because you don't get it until next year. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I did get bronze this year, though, so I still get pretty much all the benefits except priority entry into selected races. But let's so be honest. I, I have to say, I think this is working. I think that this, this elite. Oh, yeah. But, but I wonder if it's only working for the pointy end. No, no, no. I saw people um, with bag tags and kind of seventy point three, and using the stickers. Because I think I think it's working. I think it's a good thing because it's you know listen to us listen, and and look at like guys. If you could see John's face right now, he's like a kid <laughs> at Christmas. He's loving. He's in first place. I'm going to keep racing because I get priority entry. <laughs> I, I I don't know necessarily if it's going to draw people to keep doing more races, but I do think it. it Creates a nice banter between you and your community, and I think it's a you know it's it's a great thing. It's working. So well done, John. You're winning. The question is, do you think you'll take it out for the year? Uh, no, I actually did have a look, and I think it's reasonably unlikely that I'll take out the the rank the number one ranking because uh, you can have more. Somebody who does three Ironman races is gonna is gonna out trump me. So I'll have. Uh, two 70.3s and two Ironman results. But when I looked at the results from last year, if you do th- you've got to do three Ironmans to be I'll, be... I'll be fairly high up there, but you've really got to do three Ironmans if you want to be uh, the number one ranked athlete. Do you get bonus points for Kona? Like if you take out Kona, which I'm predicting, no. there's my prediction, you don't get more points for Kona. No, that's the flaw in the system. That is a big, major flaw. Yeah. That's a yeah, major flaw. You 10th in Kona. 10th in Kona is probably worth winning a race anywhere else in the world. So that's a flaw. Okay, sharpen up on that one, WTC. But overall, we're, 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 you're doing well. We're, we're, we're giving lots of credit this week, aren't we? Yeah. Okay, sponsor. 
extreme endurance, uh, extreme HydroX. This was something I was using over in Kona. Um, HydroX breaks new ground in the area of energy, cramping, protection, and recovery. Extreme HydroX contains the world's most premium blend of electrolytes along with lactate, the body's natural fuel source, painted hydration technology. Sustamine is added to enhance electrolyte and water absorption in the intestines, stimulating glycogen synthesis and promoting synthesis of muscle protein to help repair and recovery of muscle tissues. So the way that I was using this in Kona was actually, I have been using it on race day, but over there in Kona when you're sweating so much on a daily basis from all the training, um, yeah, I, I was in my mind I was basically trying to help set myself up for the next day, so I was taking it before and after training just to try to replenish um, you know, some of that sweat out there. So Hydro X is $26.95, um, or if you get it on recurring order, it's $24.95. If you use the promo code I Talk five, you get a nice little discount on that. Uh, if you Kiwis or Aussies, I stock this product as well, and um, it's basically in terms of taste-wise, it's just a lemon citrus. I just mixed it in with water, and it's just like a, a little sports drink. But you know, anything you can do to you know help prevent cramping has got to be a good thing. And if you're doing back-to-back training in really hot environments, you've always got to be thinking not just about the session that you're doing. Um, it's more about making sure you're setting yourself up for the following days, so you're not depleted for for day after day. And on things like epic camps, that becomes a real a real issue. So um, yeah, check it out. Xendurance.com. Extreme Hydro X. So be a really great thing to do when you're in, use when you're in your real big training block, isn't it? Mm, totally, and especially when it's extremely hot. Yep. Okay, uh, Coach's Corner. John, we want to hear about your lessons from from Kona, part three. Next week we've got part four as well, so I'm really looking forward yeah, to totally. it. Yeah, totally. I'm looking forward to part seven. It's, it's going to be fantastic. Part 20 is going to be amazing. Yeah, but like, I was in Kona when we were doing the show last week, so I was still in a bit of um, just kind of sorted my crap out and gave a little bit more thought to things this week and so I've broken it down into a few areas firstly lessons and highlights from me from from this year's Kona is get acclimatized or you're screwed and <laughs> when we went to the 70.3 you know lots of people seem to be saying oh god it's hot you know after the race they're just saying I just got too hot didn't hear anybody on the camp saying that they got excessively hot, you know, and we were there for for a week beforehand, obviously doing some pretty big training, but massive, massively important to get acclimatized. So if you're going to a hot race or you're going to Kona, it was probably more Kona than anything. If you're not going from a hot place, if you don't get acclimatized, you, it's, you're really going to battle over there. Um, you need a week to get yourself ready, and in that week, you need to be doing some decent training and not just going over there and, and just sitting around on your ass in Kona. That's not going to acclimatize you. You need to do some reasonable training early in the week. So I think that was my my first big point. And secondly, always take some humble pie with you when you go to Kona because just when you think you've got it all figured out, it totally screws you out. Some people call that the uh, the Madame Pelé sort of, uh, you know, not respecting the island. And a lot of people have been brought down by by that. And, and I was again this year, you know, I think it was the third, third day when we rolled to Volcano. You know, I had another, wouldn't say it was an explosion, but really just got, got taught a lesson by the, the climate and the environment and just beating you down over there so um you know it, it pays to be a little bit conservative over there especially on the bike um because you know those conditions tend to eat you up and spit you out the other side uh another one that i had exploring the island is awesome 
so often people just go up and down the Queen K, up and down the Queen K. And the Queen K is fantastic. It's uh, got a massive big shoulder on it. And once you're out of town, there's no traffic lights and it's a nice rolling road and it's nice and smooth and you can just get in the zone. But there are so many other good little rides. Even just around Kona, there's lots you can do as well. So check out my blog on coachjohnproject2014.com. Um, and under the camps, I've got the GPS files of all the bike rides we did. So you can see where we went. And you know, just looping around town, there's some fantastic little side roads and highways and hill climbs. So yeah, avoid getting sucked into just doing the Queen K all the time. Uh, Bevan, we've, we've been... We've been plugging WTC today and saying what a great job they're doing yep. um, and the races are doing fantastic and the 70.3 over there is also is, it's a brilliantly run event, quite a unique course and you know awesome open water swim. The bike ride's cool because you're going up to Harvey and you've got the you know, fairly hilly and undulating and you just get into a good groove and you're on the Kona course so that's all good and the run's fantastic. You're running over this golf course. It's pretty slow going and the times reflect that but it's just a really unique course and the aid stations are brilliant, so it's, it's all good. But I have got one gripe, and I think I think this might happen in, uh, at Ironman as well. The water bottles are crap. At, you know when they hand you the bottles yeah. on the bike ride? They, yeah. they hand you out um, little plastic water bottles like you'd buy in the shop, the, the most flimsy ones possible, so the plastic is so thin it just crushes in your hands. Mm. And then... They've got these crappy lids that sometimes they're on, sometimes they're off, and then the water just goes everywhere. And if you try to put it in the bottle cage, I think I lost five drink bottles out on the bike course, and this is only within 90 Ks. Wow. So that's my one gripe. If you're going to 70.3, and I'm not sure about Ironman, the water bottles are absolutely crap. Sharpen up on the water bottles. Sharpen up. Sharpen Great up. event, but the water bottles are just letting you down. Okay, so mm. you've got some questions about skin stop. Yeah, a lot of people are, were asking about this. Um, Why we're so a skin I wore top? A, well, I wore a full-length white um, skins top, Did, compression that, that, top. Cause, is there a thinner version of it? Because those skin tops aren't that thin. I know this is thin. This is thin. Okay. You, you ought to see it when it gets wet, and I've got the hairy chest going oh, on mate, underneath. I'm, I get excited thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Serious equality. Thankfully, they've got a little strip over your, your chest area, but when I get it wet, it's 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 looking awesome, powers. It's quality. Um, but lots of people ask me questions about it. The reason, the main reason I wear it is aerodynamics. So um, fabric like that, compression fabric, is quicker than than um, than skin. So that was my first objective: is is trying to find things that are going to make me me quicker. Second reason uh, is for sun protection in Kona. That worked very very well this year. You know, you just get roasted over there likewise in New Zealand uh, you can get very roasted as well when it's sunny over here the sun's extremely strong so those are my two main reasons um, but the, obviously the big question people have is surely you get quite hot wearing it um, it's quite a cooling fabric and the main thing is if you keep yourself wet it's actually pretty cool and there's, there's not that much difference between that and uh, and not having anything on. If it dries out for long periods, then, yeah, you do get hot. So those are my main reasons. And then somebody else asked me a question about why don't I wear it for the run, and I sort of revert back to my main reason for wearing is aerodynamics. And yep. um, on the run, I take it off and just find it a bit easier to keep myself cool without it on. So uh, it also adds, you know, it's got some pockets on the back, so it gives me a few little extra options there. So um, it all works pretty well. Okay, you've got your Kona camp coming up in 2015. If people want to get in touch with John and go on to camp next year, which is obviously a pretty amazing camp and people love it, just get in touch with him, flick him an email. What are you taking away from the week? 
so firstly, big week of training, which is always good. You know, we had lots of, uh, I think... I think maybe it was about a thirty-hour week or so, which is um, which is pretty solid. So yep. that's always good to get a bit of uh, bit of endurance in the back. It's pretty. It's still a long way out from Kona, but good to get some of that in. Um, for me, knowing the course even better is you know I, I pretty much know the course fairly well inside out. I think I've probably ridden the, the Ironman course maybe 10 times now, so especially the early parts of the course I know really well. Focused on looking at some of the run, a bit more on the run in detail, so I can get that in my head, you know, looking at Elite Drive, Palani Hill having to run up there, looking at the Harvey section on the bike and the, the tough climb out of Kauai High. so that was a big benefit for me, figuring out all those different sections. Um, and then I think the main thing for me is knowing that I'm on track, so, you know, whilst my bike was pretty average over there, my swim was is certainly heading in the right direction. My run, despite next to no running, was um, was pretty bloody good. on. And, and I think the main thing with my run is now I've had two good runs over there in hot conditions. So I feel pretty confident that uh, the heat is not going to be a massive, massive issue for me and um, feeling pretty confident that I can go close to three hours. Great, great. So um, you've got equipment-wise. Yep, so that big, big priority, and we, we heard this from um, Dan Benedot the other week, is you know practicing your race nutrition time and time again, and that was a, a really big thing for me over there. So on day one, we biked the Ironman course, and I basically replicated exactly what I was going to do for Ironman race day, so I wanted to, to test what UCAN was going to end up being like um, in a 180k ride in the heat and whether it was going to get too hot. But using an insulated bottle, you know, that worked out absolutely fine. It didn't get ridiculously hot, and I was able to to crank that down during the the race. Um, also, for me, uh, hadn't used my profile, my new profile wheels in the the wind before, and getting a chance to do that was pretty cool, and they performed really well. And I've got to give Fuel Belt a little bit of love here because uh, we got I got a uh, a, a stretch belt off fuel belt, uh, a waist stretch belt, and these things were gold. So often when you wear belts and running belts and stuff, you end up, they bounce all over the place and they're really uncomfortable. But this thing was gold. It's called a a super stretch waist pack. They're only 18 bucks and it's basically like a a bit like a race number belt and then it's got a little um, pocket thing on the back. And for the race, it was absolutely perfect. I was able to fit fit, fit five gels in the back of there, didn't have them bouncing around in my pockets at the back and wasn't worrying that I was going to drop some of them. And you can also clip on fuel belts onto the side and again, you think, oh, that's going to rock and roll all over the place. But most of the athletes use these on the the run out of the Energy Lab and they worked absolutely brilliant. So so check that out on fuelbelt.com and it's it's a super stretch waist pack. That was brilliant. Oh, good times. Um, what else? Nutrition-wise? Um, Nutrition-wise, we're pretty, pretty much perfect. So you, pretty, you, you pretty know those bottles, those slushy bottles? Are you using that? I didn't have time to experiment with that. That was probably the one thing that I didn't um, get a chance. So that was the the slushy bottles, what the flow flow bottle. Yeah, yeah. So I am still experimenting and possibly playing around with that in terms of using that at the start of the run, but I was just in such a rush all the way through the camp, I didn't get a chance. But my plan is to potentially have that sitting in T2 and start the run with that slushy on the run. So we'll just have to see. I'm going to do some some more experimenting on that, but that's the one thing I missed out on 
And I guess the ironic thing for me was in the 70.3 race, you know, I've been working really, really hard on my bike and made some really good inroads, but that was the one area that went crap in the race. Um, and I hate having excuses, and I've had an excuse for most of the races this year, unfortunately, but I think it was really was just down to the uh, – down to having training. done you know, a week, week of training and just didn't have that freshness on the bike. So feeling pretty confident about the bike uh, and that's going to be the critical part of the race because as the results have shown in most of my races is um, I can swim with the best guys and most, most of the, you know, towards the front of the pack. When I've got my running legs on, I can run with pretty much the best guys in the age group um, but the bike is going to be really what determines what sort of a day I have over there. So still a lot of work to do on that. So, so, so you've got some good insights, and definitely when we think about where you're at, this is you know you're definitely at least being ready to be in Kona. You're you're pretty much there now. Um, for those who aren't, you know, don't have that level of prep that you have, what would be some of the tips that you'd give to them who are going to Kona and racing this year? Uh, pretty much similar to most Ironmans, just. Don't be a dick on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the, the key one over there. If you, you know, I know you can you can blow up at races and you can you can you can sort of come back. But my my feeling and from what we've observed over the years in Kona, if you blow up in Kona, it, yeah, it tends to be game over. <laughs> yeah. You can't. It's a much harder place to pull yourself out of a hole just because you overheat, and that's probably the the big one. You, you overheat. It's there's there's nowhere to really cool off and and get yourself back in the game. So I think don't be a dick on the bike. And um, if you're planning on going to Kona and you haven't already made your travel bookings, you know give yourself a week to be over there unless you're coming from a very very hot environment. And I think those would be my two key things over there. And probably if there was a third one, it would be to make sure when you get over there, probably open water swim every day because it's um it's quite different. You know swimming in open water without a wetsuit and most people are not used to that uh, swimming in the sea and it's always good time swimming in the sea over there as well. Yeah, I think one other thing, um, oh, what was I going to add? I was going to add something. Oh, no, the other question I had for you is going into New Zealand, you had a strategy and you kind of, you took some risks that mm. may ultimately hurt you really in, in the day. What is, like, what's the game plan? Like, I know we'll talk closer to time about this, but how... Are you going to take that kind of risk going into Kona or are you very much going to be a bit more controlled? Absolutely not. I'm sticking to my power meter in Kona. Um, So swim strong and then uh, just ride to power. And of course I'll still deviate slightly on that depending on what sort of packs form up on the bike but I certainly won't be doing what I did in, in Taupo I'll be you know if I'm prepared to give up a bit of time early on the bike ride and I think that's a, a big advantage I have in Kona is because I'm a better swimmer I know there'll still be strong riders coming up from yeah. behind in Kona whereas in New Zealand I knew well, I was very confident there wasn't going to be anybody coming through on the bike so it was like I've got one opportunity got to take it took it backfired in Kona you know there's going to be lots of guys that'll be five to ten minutes behind me out of the swim that'll be biking through and um and so yeah there's there's not it's not so risky but I will not be riding 260 270 watts early on the bike ride uh, I'll be basically settling in and I've got the confidence now that I'll um that I'll run well and if I can run close to three hours I'll be running a lot of people down so 18 weeks to go Yep, game it's all on. It's all good. Okay, guys, website of the week. Okay, of the week. We've, got, we've got two here this week. So, um, I, uh, you pull, you pull them up. Oh, I don't know why I put those those two in there. Which, which I, one I do mean, you want? Put, Sean, uh, wait a second. Don't talk for a second because you're cutting out. Quick, you're cutting out. Wait a second. I'm, I'm pulling up the website. Okay, so the website is 
grist.org and so the surprising lovely music is made with only a bike so basically he sent us through a link and it's a it's a video clip but it's also done wait a second this listen, listen to this listen to this Uh, it's, it's basically Sean of the Porno sent this through. And it's by a guy called Johnny Random, and he's got a single on on iTunes called "Be Spoken." And it's ah, uh, "Be Spoken," dollar, John. "Be Spoken." It's dollar seventy nine or dollar seventy nine New Zealand. It's probably a dollar US or something like that. But the guy's basically made a track just using his bicycle. So he's spinning the wheel, and he's got little flicker bits on there. And, and there's obviously a little bit of background music, but all the rest of it is just using his bike. It was very cool. Pretty, pretty cool. So we'll put a link to that on Talk, and You can buy the music. And when you're out there riding your bike, you can be bespoken. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, question. Oh, sponsor. Righto, Bevan. Righto. We've got some action here on the competition. 125% of FTP on trainerroad.com. The prizes are out. First place, we don't go third place is one month free on Trainer Road. Nice. Second place is three months free on Trainer Road. And first place is six months free on Trainer Road and a Trainer Road t shirt. Oh, so, game on. adding a bit of spice to the competition. Uh, here are the rules if you haven't performed an FTP, FTP, FTP test within the last 30 days, reassess with either the eight minute or the 20 minute test. Um, do the 125% test workout and there's a you need to go onto trainerroad.com and just look under teams join up to the I am talk team and you'll be able to see in the workout library there you'll be able to find this uh, test session you need to maintain the 125% for as long as possible if your power output drops below 115% of FTP gradually or abruptly then your effort is counted as finished at that point remember this is a push until you pop effort it, so go all out and it's worth noting that there is plenty of room for cheating and we can't stop you but as endurance athletes integrity should always be our number one priority exactly. so don't be a weasel don't be a weasel guys don't do it so you most you've probably heard now about this this test you go on there and it's basically go as hard as you can for uh, as long as you can at 125 percent of FTP and it's a brilliant little test it'll only take you between three and six minutes and whoever takes it out is going to be uh, get themselves a yeah just a small little prize plus bragging rights plus a little bit of recognition on the show and I think we're going to run it through to the end of June and when Bevan gets back we need to put end him through June. his paces okay, end of June. and get okay. it and get him down there okay I'll do it I'll jump on the bike and do it I have to do my FTP first I won't cheat because I've got integrity John that's the thing I'll probably just get you to do an 8 minute FTP test um, you can just pop past one day and do that and then come back and do the test another day Oh, cause... we could even record the show at my place oh bugger that <laughs> With a laptop that works. <laughs> all good times. Okay, so go on Trainer Road. No, Trainer Road is a great website for all your biking, basically upskilling, really, isn't it? It is. And and so just another, we've talked about lots of benefits of Trainer Road, but last week I was sort of got a bit sick when I got back from Kona and then got back into training just a little bit over the weekend and didn't really have any objectives around my bike. I just wanted to get on there and just get riding again. So Saturday morning um, I just 
went onto Train Road and just picked out a workout. It happened to be the one called P Vine, and uh, just had a few little bumps in there, a few little three-minute efforts, but nothing too crazy. Uh, and so, if, if you if you're short on ideas, it's just a great way you can go in there and choose what intensity. And I chose a pretty easy intensity, and then you can go. I want a sixty to ninety-minute workout, or you can just you know, there's lots of different criteria you can choose, and that just gave me didn't have to think about it. Then got on the trainer. The kicker does all the work for me. If you don't have a kicker, then you just need to keep an eye on the computer or on your power meter and keep yourself in the zone. The other thing you can do, that I was going to do with that workout, it just it did have a few spikes in it, and I thought, it's my first ride back. I might not want to quite go that hard. They've got a little... Um, it's all based off your FTP, and there's a little button down the down the bottom. If you want to take it easier, you can just say, right, I don't want to be riding at that level today, and you can just go tone it down a few percentage points and it just naturally makes the whole ride a little bit easier and then on Sunday uh, similar sort of thing I got up nice and early had two and a half hour window to train and went out the road on the road it was dark it was middle of winter at six o'clock in the morning went around the first corner felt a big crunch of glass under both my tires got another hundred meters down or another 200 meters down the road started getting a flat mm. bug this I'm not changing a tire in the dark when I'm this close to home went home thought jump on the trainer again didn't really have any objectives around the, the session just wanted to get a bit of a ride in wanted it to be an hour and a half so I just searched for an hour and a half workout had huge selection and I chose a one called Coliseum that was pretty much a, a fairly flat ride but just varied enough just to keep it keep it interesting and again didn't have to think about it so much better if I had had to get on the trainer for 90 minutes and try to keep making up my own session or just ride for 90 minutes it would have been a little bit painful um, but yeah that basically does all the work for you so it's absolutely brilliant so check it out trainerroad.com yeah, awesome, guys. Okay, questions and answers. We've got the first one here from Paul Williams. He goes, I thought you guys might like to know that former dual international rugby union and league star Matt Rogers went to Port Macquarie earlier this month. He did Ironman Western Australia back in 2012 in 11.02, and he beat that time by 17 minutes to clock in at 10.45 on a far tougher course. He is fundraising for the charity, his charity, for ASD Kids, uh, a charity for kids with autism like his son Max. He might be a great person to interview. Yeah, we'd love to get him on the show um, because mm. he, he was – so for those people who don't know really know much about Matt Rogers, he was an amazing rugby league player, uh, which is a big sport in Australia and New Zealand, and, and you, not so big in the UK, but it's played in the UK. And um, and then went and played rugby union as well and, and had a pretty successful rugby career as well for the Australian rugby team. And then I think he went back to league at the end of his career as well. So, And it was just an awesome player. And uh, and so if anyone knows how we could interview him, maybe just flick us a message and let us know if we can get in contact with him, get him on the show. But Paul's also got a question. Also a question for John regarding the difference. I'll cover this shortly. So um, when, we, when we talk about athletes, Paul's asking about the differences in my build-up between Hawaii and Rote, um, and we'll cover that when I talk about athletes. Okay, we've got Darren Mounts here, and he's got just uh, listening to your recent show and having heard John mention Unknown Racer again, I thought I'd reach out and tell you a bit about every – uh, team Everyman Jack, unknown racer, and so some- this, this this goes back to Athlinks when I was looking at the Kona seventy point three from last year. One of the age groups that beat his age groupers that beat me there had his identity sort of hidden, so he was known as the unknown racer. Okay, and some of the other things that we do have 
and have accomplished here at every a team every man jack every man jack is an elite not elitist amateur triathlon team based in san francisco bay area our team started out with 10 guys in 2011 and has grown to a, t- a national team of 50 elite amateurs whose passion for the sport lifestyle and giving back is not is only equaled by their talent of our athletes first off we believe in giving back supporting and encouraging our multi-sport lifestyle we really recently had our first annual ride for reason here in Marlin which raised $9,000 for CAF and were major sponsors or supporters of the CAF Bay Area Cycle Challenge back in March which raised almost 100000 k for CAF. A number of us are coaching, coached by Matt Dixon of Purple Patch who we had on the show in Kona a few years ago uh, and we train almost weekly with Meredith Kessler who is a great friend of Team Every Man Jack. Uh, below are some of our recent amateur accomplishments so the first amateur in Ironman Texas was Tim Smith we pro US pro championship St George Utah number one first amateur was unknown racer David Condon Lake Tahoe Rich how's that one Viola yeah but how does his first name is it Rich. It is Rich. It's just a different way of spelling. Yeah. He took out that one, then he took out first place in Aram Ironman Arizona. 70.3. Unknown racer David Condon took it out. So, so I think that was last, just me last year. So, so far we have 11 guys qualified and racing in Kona this year, and we have 16 guys racing Escape from Alcatraz this Sunday, which was a few weeks ago. Um, so, anyway, and, uh, yeah, so there's some really great work there. And was- if you want to like them, you go to their Facebook page. And it's good, good to see. It's a bit like the team free speed in the UK, a little bit like that. Um, just you know, more of a elite type club. And I've got to say, they were pretty prominent over at the Kona 70.3, those dudes. I think one of them may have been in front of me or I passed one of them on the run. But um, yeah, pretty, pretty prominent. And good to see that whilst they're focusing on some elite stuff, they're also supporting uh, charities like Challenged Athletes Foundation. So nice work, guys. Matt Regan sent through an email. Just uh, received a notice from Ironman Zurich this week. They are splitting this one. <clears throat> That's interesting, isn't it? They are splitting the swim into two swim slots. The, for those faster than 115 and those slower than 115. So what they're doing is they're going to be starting the swim start at different, I'm not sure what different times or different positions or whatever, but if you think you can swim below 115, you'll start in that group, or after 115, you'll start in the group after that. My last two Ironman swims, I swam a 113 and a 112. Would I be better off starting off in the first wave or, and follow the pack or starting in the second wave and be near the front? John, your thoughts? My, my advice would probably be to start at the back of the front pack and you're likely to get dragged along. But yeah. I imagine there'll be a lot, of, uh, a lot of other people doing the same thing. So that would be my, my general advice. Otherwise, you want to be right at the front of that uh, that second pack and uh, and then you'll get some fresh water. So I guess it depends if your objective is, is to be as fast as possible, where you take the risk and go with the, the quicker ones and you'll get hopefully dragged along. Or if you would rather have a comfortable swim and uh, probably less chance of getting as beaten up, in which case you'd go with the uh, the second group. I always think that if you don't mind getting beaten up, you're better off to go with faster swimmers. You know, mm. it, it, like fortunately for myself as a swimmer, I, I don't mind getting beaten up. So I, I would always go to the very front of the pack, which means I got bashed in that first few hundred metres. But I always swam well above my ability in the, in the swim, and it was because I was able to get with swimmers who are faster than me and sit behind them, and it just dragged me through. So, yeah. Whatever you feel comfortable with, Matt, is probably the better answer. Jeff Martindale sent through one here, and he's got a quick link. Here's a link to uh, that looks into. Oh, so basically, he sent through an article the, between the differences between um, 
the Ironman races, what's happening with Ironman races and independent iron distance races in the world? And it was on the Wall Street Journal's website, so which is kind of fascinating that got so much exposure because it's a bit of a niche sport. But an article is really talking about how Ironman is really killing the iron distance races and how Ironman can put on a race and pull out you know 2,000 athletes straight away, whereas the local triathlons are really kind of starting to die. And they talk about, which one is the one that's 25 years, but... Just, uh, I think it was either uh, the Great Floridian. Yeah, so it's 25 years this year, but they also announced it will probably be the last time they run the race. And uh, it's it's probably not a discussion. It's a discussion we know well on the show, but it was interesting. One thing I found interesting about the article that, you know, the Wall Street – sorry, was it the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal? Um, Wall Street Journal? Yeah, that they had an article on this because it's such a niche kind of topic. Mm, it is, but it's um, – yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of an issue, I think. Well – it's um and it's it's also with um even with the, some of the short course races you know some of the, I know that you know a lot of the, the smaller races all around the place are starting to suffer from from the big expensive to enter races and it's it's probably just starting to cut out some of the you know people with the slightly less disposable income who just want to give the sport a try I know Ironman's probably a slightly different um killer fish but you know I guess it's just a bit of evolution of the sport as we become more and more professional. Well, the thing is. Can you blame Ironman because they're so successful? Yeah. You know, and, and it's, luckily we have challenge because otherwise it would be a total monopoly, but people want to do Ironman races. And mm. how, do, how does the independent differentiate themselves from that? It's a, yeah. You do see it a little bit. You know, you look at like the Outback, um, the Outlaw. Is it the Outlaw? Out, yeah, it's the Outlaw yeah. in the UK. You know, there are some races that seem to, the Vineman, you know, they can seem to be able to put on a full distance race by themselves. There are some events that can pull it off, but it's definitely a very challenging thing to try to aim for. It is indeed. Um, just one other quick thing. A friend of mine is a personal trainer in the States, and one of her clients is trying to create the ultimate triathlon bag, and she's called it the perfect triathlon bag, and she'd be doing a, quick, a Kickstarter for this, and she just asked if I could put a link there, and... Um, this lady has basically made her mission in life to create this amazing triathlon bag. So if you want to check it out and you want to donate to the, the Kickstarter and get a bag as a part of the process, I'll put a link to that on www.iamtalk.me and you can go through and maybe get the ultimate triathlon bag. Jumbo sponsor. Athlinks.com. And this is partly going to defer back to a question we had from... Uh from Paul Williams, sort of asking about the differences that I'm doing between, say, my Hawaii build-up and compared to Rote, and that actually got me looking back on Athlinks.com. You know, if I wanted to go and find my all my results on Rote, it would be a bloody challenge going through the, the it'd be a challenge going through the challenge website, Bevan, probably. It would to find be a it. challenge, John. But on Athlinks.com, I can just pull up my details and boom, and then I can click on uh, Ironman, and I've just got all my Ironman results up there and uh, go straight to, to Challenge Road. And this comes, it was 2008 that uh, Bevan and I did Road. You did it the year before as well, didn't yep. you, or the year after? No, the year before. That was my last year one. before. Yep. And so it actually got me going back and looking at my results and wondering how I sort of stacked up on that day. And this comes back to Cameron Brown's performance um, a little bit as well from Ken's at the weekend. You know, Rote's a fantastically fast course. Um, Ken's is not so fast, but Brownie ran 2.44. And I go back to Rote in 2008. Verne went won it in 2.47. Pete Jacobs only ran 2.50. All these guys are running 2.48s to 2.50s to three hours. And Brownie's running out of 2.44 at the age of um, 42. So bloody impressive. Then I've got to scroll down and find myself there. 
three hours and eighteen seconds. Where do you think that ranked me, Bevan? A three hours and eighteen is not bad. Where do you well, think that well, ranked? Especially if overall? the pros were only running close to two fifty. Um, mm. Like I know it's going to probably be in the fifties, but uh, normally you'd say probably top twenty. Thirtieth. Wow. Fifties. Jeez, man. There's no, not many people run three hours. No, but we, 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 but where'd you get overall? I finished twenty seventh overall. Oh, okay. Three three hours and eighteen seconds. I only finished in thirtieth place in the run. In the in the run, uh, finished twenty seventh overall. Bike four fifty nine. Road swam forty eight fifty, which was pretty good. I'm just looking at. I'm going to see if I out transitioned you. My second transition. No, was I won the transition, didn't I? I won it. Where are you? Yeah. yeah. No, I won it. Remember at the time that was the big thing. Seconds, I actually won the transition. That is that is impressive because we can scroll through here. I can't see anybody else who went under a minute. And like a lot of the pros, the top pros are like 117, 146. What did the winner do? Patrick Verner. Oh, you only beat Pete Jacobs by one second. Uh, he was gutted, honestly. I think yeah. even when he won Kona, he was still crying in the inside because I beat him in that one. Yeah, so it was one of the things that with, with athletes, a really easy way for me just to go back and uh, pull up all your iron distance results. You don't have to go off to 10 different Ironman websites or challenge websites or whatever. It's basically all there in one go. And then when you get in there, you can actually go in and actually see, you know, how you performed. And I can go back and see how, you know, some of your, your rivals performed and where you ranked up. And then when you come back and do the event, you know, a few years later, again, you don't have to go back to the website. Everything's sort of in uh, in one place, and I can see some of the other athletes' finishes on there. J- Justin Granger, he was up there in 16th place, athletes first, second athletes finisher. Luke Dragster was his first athletes finisher, 839, 13th place. There you go. 839, you get 13th. Jeez. Anyway, check it out, com. Keep all your results in one place, and uh, just that's, makes what, life. That's, that, that's an example of why this is cool because you can just geek out on old races, and you know you got you at work one day, you get a bit bored, jump on everything, <laughs> kill a few hours, check out all your race and results. Same thing for me. If I go back and look at uh, you know Kona from when I only did Kona in two thousand and five, and it wasn't my uh, it wasn't my greatest race in my life, but I can go back there and just sort of check out the details of where things went wrong and sort of maybe try to get a bit of a feel for, you know, where I might get um, this time round. And we can go back there and see that Cameron Brown's. Oh, I was looking. I'm looking at Ironman New Zealand now, not Ironman France. I don't even done Ironman France, have I? Didn't you win it? Pad Bevan. Pad Bevan. Pad. Well, the question I was actually going to ask. So Cam Brown takes out Ken's oldest man to ever win Ironman, 42. And he was kind of talking it down afterwards saying, oh, yeah, but Crowey and, and um, Macca are going to definitely beat me at that. But Crowey said he won't do any more Ironman, hasn't he? Uh, don't know about that. Didn't, didn't he in Melbourne say that was, that was his last one? Or did he say he wasn't going back to Kona? I'm pretty He's sure not he going said, back to Kona anytime soon. No, but I'm pretty sure he said he retired from Ironman. Like and, mm. and at the time I said, "Well, he said that a few times in his to- in his you know in his emotional time after a race." But um, so so the question is, will Cam's oldest Ironman stand for a while, or do you think Macker or Crowe is going to take it out? It's mm, a good question. I put my money on uh, if Crowe does another one potentially, but Crowe's generally going to gravitate towards the big races, like a be. Oh, oh, Bevan, the phone's going. Hopefully there's somebody here to answer that. Is it, is it the home line or the business line? It's a home line, but uh-huh. I've also got my office. Uh-huh. 
Hold, hold the line, Bevan. Hold the line, hold the line. I can't really hold the line. I can't pause today. So I'm looking at the – while John's talking, I'm looking at the top documentaries of all time. I've got this webpage in front of me as I'm browsing away. And uh, Bowling for Columbine, Inside Job, The Cove, and Zeitgeist. There we go. <laughs> there you go. Nice padding. The 2005 when I did Kona, Cam Brown, second place, 8.19. Farah Sultan took it out that year. So, uh, and what Peter Reid was third. What did what what Farah do? 8.14. It was a very, very easy day, of Kona easy day. So he swam 49. He rode away, he didn't bike, he? He biked 4.25 and ran 2.54 for an 8.14. Cam Brown was uh, the best of the rest with the, the, the better run slits at 2.50. He ran, Peter he Reed ran it down, didn't he? Like he was, he he was ran Peter Reid down. Yeah, Peter Reid. He only beat Peter Reid by about 25 seconds. So solid effort. Rudd Kabiki was third. Cam Widoff was in fifth place. Macca was sixth. And he was never really in contention. Cam Woodoff? Who's Cam Woodoff? I don't know that name. Uh, he was an American guy who always used to get in the top five. Uh, Chris McCormick ran a 2.49 to get him, uh, might have been the fastest run split of the day by the look of it. Got himself up to six. Reynard Tissink, Tom Surdahal was in eighth. Never heard of him. Francesco Pontana was ninth. And Stefan Vukovic was tenth. I remember watching that race because I remember I, I watched that race from home. I think Duncan watched it for me actually, but um, and I remember Mecca coming across the line, and that was the first time he'd had a solid result in Kona. You know, like he, I think he'd mm-hmm. done it five or six times up to that point, and that was the first time he'd actually put together a decent race. And then from there, he obviously went to the next level. But it was kind of interesting times. John, by Facebook, I'll oh, just uh, athletics.com, guys, check it out. Facebook.com has changed their their groups pages, and it's a bit stupid really because. If people go on there and paste to our Facebook page, it, it kind of gets a little bit lost. And Thames and Lewis has gone on this big post about our interview with John. I'll, I'll bring that up next week. She's popped me an email. Yeah, because it looks like she's done a pretty good post here. So um, do keep posting, uh, posting on our Facebook page, but it is a bit stupid right now the way they've changed it. So hopefully they fix that up. Anyway, um, that's the one it, other really. thing I was going to say, going back to so that was athlinks.com, just going back to Paul Williams in terms of the differences between, for me between uh, Rote and Hawaii, pretty stark differences. I was, you know, when I between uh, when I did Rote, it was a sort of a fairly short build up for that race. I was still on a, a road bike with clip ons, didn't have, a, didn't have an aero helmet and things like that. This year I'm basically going to be a hell of a lot quicker. And the, the, one of the reasons for doing Rote is we did an epic camp in Italy. And then I sort of tacked Rote on to the end of that. So it was a small gap between the two. So whilst I was going to Rote to go as fast as I could, I certainly was not taking it as seriously as I am this time round. And uh, you didn't, you didn't make a website for that basics. one, did you? Certainly didn't. No, no, no you didn't, didn't tell There the is story. no comparison. This is the real deal. This is the real, it's all or nothing. His mm. life depends on it. What is it? Your central governor, you, knew, you want it the most. Oh, yeah. John, I was thinking we could do a segment on. Um, I'm reading a brilliant book right now. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a brilliant book. Must be good. Yeah, it's brilliant. And uh, and you know, the, one of the big things that's come through recently in the last period of time is that whole idea of mental fatigue and how you know how we become weaker at decisions, the more mentally fatigued we become, and so on. And one thing that we we do in our sport is we train ourselves to become very conditioned at um, how to respond when we're physically fatigued to our maximum. And we do things like your camps, which push you through, you know, to those next levels of your mental, you know, your physical fatigue. But I was thinking that maybe we could do a segment on how to develop your mental, what to, how to respond when you are mentally fatigued. And actually to do some segments of your training where you actually go into them 
fatiguing yourself quite maximally and then trying to learn how you can respond with quality decisions at that time. So, like, if you think about um, an Ironman race, you know, that last half, the second half of the marathon is where the real mental game begins. And and through our training, we get to do that. So through our training, obviously, in your camp, you are fatigued and you're tired and all the rest of it. So you do kind of learn to push through. But often when camps, you're also in an environment where there's people to support, you know, it makes it easier. And I was thinking that maybe we could do a segment on ways to develop your mental fatigue in your training. So you could, for example, deliberately have two nights of terrible sleep and then try to do a hard session and learn how you mentally can push through those types of sessions. You get what I mean? Brilliant, you've just got yourself a job to do there. I'm oh, liking it. But you know Bevan's what I mean? Corner. Yeah, Bevan's Corner. Because yep. the thing is, is that when we get to that moment in the Ironman race where, where, where it gets really hard, often we give up not just because we're mentally fatigued, but I mean physically fatigued. It's just fighting the battle for that much longer seems so much harder. And we're, at, by that point, we're also so mentally fatigued that it's just the idea of going – like it was interesting, I, one of the girls who coached for the marathon, I was talking to her before the race, and I was saying, look, you've got to be really you – know, one of the reasons you've got to race strategically wise is – that you need to get to that moment in a race where it's really hard, but it's not too hard for too long. Because if it's too hard for too long, you're going to give up and you'll just plod home. But if you can get to like five k's to go and you know it's too hard, you know you can push through to that point. And she had a good race and she was happy for race. And we talked about it afterwards and she did that well. And I was just thinking that we don't necessarily practice that part of the game for our racing. We don't necessarily practice how to make great decisions when we are our most fatigued. And I was thinking that maybe what Ironman athletes could do is deliberately create sessions where you go into them, where you put yourself under the pump mentally. So you would literally try to have two nights of only four hours sleep. And, um, and you might try to do some, so one thing in this book they talk about um, for athletic developing your athletic thing is to actually do some, um, some quizzes before you actually have to do a hard session. So they're talking about how when they're doing track sessions, they did two sessions. They did one where they got a group of guys to do um, quizzes before they did the track session and the other group didn't do the quizzes. And the guys who did, didn't do the quizzes performed so much better because they weren't mentally fatigued. And I was thinking, well, if Ironman, we get to such a mentally fatigued place and we kind of just give up because it, the battle's so hard. So if you were to consciously decide to okay, well, for this session, I'm going to have two days of no sleep. I'm also going to do some mental challenges before I do the session. And then I want to go out and practice how I become better at making quality decisions when I'm in that mentally fatigued place. Totally agree with a lot of stuff you're saying. I'm not going to try going for no, the no sleep uh, technique myself. Um, what I would say is well, people also need to practice being able to switch off and that's where I think what all the stuff you're saying is fantastic but I think a lot of people are so intently focused in the swim and early in the bike, you know, they're using up that bank of mental energy that they've got mm. and so I think actually learning to have the ability early on in the ride when you're feeling pretty good, having the ability to pretty much switch off and just enjoy the moment, relax, not get too uh, too worked up and save that, that mental energy for later on in the ride. I um, totally agree with what you're saying so I think there's two sides of it, being able to get, you know, be able to make those good decisions when the time comes right, but also learning to have the ability to try to switch off and save that <coughs> bank of mental energy. What I, I agree with what you're saying, I, but I think you, you've only got yeah, a bank of mental energy and it's only going to last so long and it's not going to last 8 to 15 hours. Um, you want it to last, you know, for that final sort of 
three three hours or so of the race. Plus, you might need to use up a bit of your bank during the um, bike if you go through any tough moments. So, yeah, yep, I, I, but the thing it. on top of it is that um, it's just that we we often only discover that place in an Ironman in the last part of the Ironman. We we never actually get to that place mm. in training, and so. Um, and so it's such a new new place for us to be within ourselves and sure for the experience like someone like you who's raced a lot you probably have a a better understanding of where you go to and what you need to do at that time but for most people out there who haven't done an Ironman or have only done one they they only experience that on the day and so they don't have the the tools or the strategies or the ways Mm. to actually get through that and I do think that it seems to be an area we neglect in training. I do think to sometimes actually have a component of your overall training that's actually focused on what can I do when I'm actually in that place and and maybe just occasionally to actually try to create environments where you are because sleep deprivation is a great way to learn what you're going to be like in that time and to sometimes put in sessions where you're going to be so mentally fatigued and actually trying to discover how you get through that could be a really valuable thing to think about so anyway just a thought um do you want to do another sponsor you've got yourself a job no we're done you've got yourself a job to do on the way home on your flight good stuff there we go there we go i'll do a segment for once in a while um for the second time in seven years, um, Jombo sponsors nicknames. Nick, oh, nicknames. No, nicknames for me: Patrick the Hurt Healy, Leonardo Leonard's the gifted artist Montero. Oh, nice! Is that a new one? Or you, uh, no, that's your one. Oh, yeah, that's that's your one. one. Uh, Joe the Glock Gundel. Nice, nice got gun it, got Glock. It. I got it. It's good. And I've got it. I've, stopped, I've kind of stolen a bit of an idea off here off uh, good old Dave Dave Dwan. He we had a guy um, David Doherty who was on the camp in Kona, and I think you heard from him briefly on yep. the show last week. And Dave's kept calling him D squared. David Doherty, DD. Nice, nice. Barry Baker, B squared. Nice, hip to B squared. Yeah. Robin Gory or Gory Skimpies. And on his Athlinks picture, he's got a picture of him racing, and he's got some some pretty tight little shorts going on there. So you're called Skimpies. Uh, Mike Pizzle, I can't remember. Mike was on our camp last year, and I can't remember if it's uh, your surname's printed out Pizzle, Pizzle, whatever it might be, Mike, but your Swizzle or the Swizz. The Swizz. Uh, the Swizz. Mike, the Swizz. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Stuart the Compass Moor is a nickname from the past. Philip Corcannon Low. Corkana, what's that about? Well, why did I come up with this one? Oh, so he's a Kiwi living in Australia, so I was kind of thinking Invader. Yep. And I thought Space Invader. Nice. And I did Space Invader search on Google for Space Invader names, and there wasn't anything very inventive except for Core Cannon. Okay. So you have a Core Cannon. Nice. Uh, Gregory Squasher Farenstein, or Fairyzen. He only had one result on Athlinks and it was a Jumba Juice of sponsored event. So I called him the Squasher. Nice. Squasher Juice. And the final one was a little bit disturbing. Robert (laughs) Warmald went on to his uh, Athlinks picture and it was a picture of him and I hope and assume it was his son running away from the camera with their white asses showing on a beach oh, somewhere. John, it's disturbing. So you're white, white ass Robert Warmald. Nice. Actually kind of works as well. Nice work. Love your work there, Jonbo. So again, guys, if you did donate to our – or if you went into the draw to win our Kona trip, um, it's all good. And uh, we will begin your nicknames. How many more we got to go? A couple hundred? Oh, where are we up to? That was I'm up to number 350. And So we've got about another 80 to go. Cool. 
yeah so we'll get you guys done over the next, probably over the next month we'll get them all done so keep listening and we'll get your nicknames to you so and thank you for donating and for that because uh well going into the draw because obviously we can do some good work in Kona for you guys this year so thank you so much okay jombo sponsors coffeesofhawaii.com uh social oh so i was gonna say social networking decaf yeah athlinks.com social networking for endurance athletes extreme endurance you're a moon boost slstry.com get the colours and trainerroad.com who's going to win the competition this is our first ever athletic competition on the show oh uh, we've had the blue 70 wetsuit aquathon yeah, challenge yeah but this, that was a bit niche because you had, to be, yeah, there. had this, to be there this is the first so get on it team because you can be the first official well second official champion of our talk yes and I'm, I'll be throwing in a couple of other little things as well for the for the winner there I'll get some uh some I am talk stuff. Okay, good times. Okay, John, but what's your goss? What's my goss? Um, it's raining in Christchurch. Shouldn't complain. It's winter. It rains in winter. Yeah, but that's it's right. rained for a couple of days now. I'm a little bit over it. Uh, it's not really it's good when you're going to, to Kona. Next, it's forecast to rain for the next week. Is it really? Is it it's like so heavy, horrible rain, or is it just a bit damp? It's just just medium, medium rain. So I went out for a run last night and. Left my place. I'd done my thirty minutes of core, and then went out, and it was it was only four forty-five in the afternoon, and pretty much dark when I when I when I, when I walk out the door. When's the sun, shortest day? It's coming up soon. So you, all you North American and European listeners, you might be thinking, yeah, we're getting into summer. The, short, the shortest day for us means longest day for you guys. Winter's just around the corner for you, dudes. We're heading to summer. <laughs> yep, we're on. We're almost on the slide to summer. I'm looking forward to that. What else has been happening, Bevan? Uh, day one of training started back yesterday officially, so 18 weeks to Kona. Pretty pumped about that. Went out for dinner with my lovely wife on Ooh, Saturday. Where'd you go? Went to what's it called? Snake, snake. Oh, uh, King Snakes. Did you like it? Snake. Yep, it was pretty good. Couldn't eat my whole meal. Back it Ridiculous. up. Ridiculous. Back it up. Back it up, I know. I was not happy. Why? We, had three, we ordered three little starters, and they weren't. They didn't look ginormous. Did you get? Did you get uh, the wonton? You got the wontons. That's good, eh? The quality, quality, yeah. and we got rice, little rice balls, and uh, some maybe calamari or something. The calamari, and then we got two two mains to share. And normally we get desserts as well. We couldn't even finish our mains, and I went longer than Belinda. She she was pathetic. What's um, that about? You're, you're changing. You're changing. I know. Yeah. Blinda's just looking in the door. Couldn't finish our meals. You were saying anything, Blinda? Say hello to the audience. Yeah, you've never said hello to the Yeah, say hello, Blinda. No. Where no. I'm good. I'm good. Where are you? Oh, we're in Melbourne. Joe's in bed. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Joe's over there in bed, and, and we're in Melbourne. Coming home today. Blinda's first appearance on the show. Oh, Enjoyable. finally. After eight, seven years. Yeah. Went to the casino afterwards. Oh, back it up. Okay. Did you put my bed on? <laughs> yeah, I did. We lost. Oh, you're full of crap. <laughs> I get so frustrated at the casino these days. People Why? do not know how to play blackjack, and it did my head in, and I lost my money because of monkeys on my table. Wait a second. What does your playing have to do with your playing? It's just karma. <laughs> oh, it's karma. <laughs> well, it's karma, and it's playing the odds. <laughs> Bevan, you never split tens in blackjack. This idiot split tens, and then I started winning, and everybody starts putting bets behind my bet, and I'm just going, "You've ruined my karma." What is it? Can stopped. people bet on your hand? Yeah. So, um, so what? The way that I bet is, you know, I, I start with five bucks down, and yeah, if I big, win, big spender. Yeah. You know, if I win, I double it up. So yeah. then it becomes a ten dollar bet. If I win again, it becomes a twenty dollar bet. And I, when do you and pull I out? What, what point do you pull out? 
Well, I had three pull-out points, and, and I was going, if I win this one, I'm out of here. Lost all three. Oh, and, no. <laughs> and so I probably built it up first. I probably built it up to probably close to fifty bucks. Yeah. So it's fifty buck a hand, and everybody on the table started looking at me. And so what they can do, they can put bets behind mine, so yep. that you have your pile of chips, and then they, a couple of people can bet behind me. As soon as they started doing that, I thought this is all over now. <laughs> And some monkey split his 10. So if you so don't wait, know blackjack, no, I don't, which I don't, the objective is to get 21. Yeah. And so if you've got two 10s so, or two picture cards, you've got 20. Yeah. Only a blackjack can beat that or a 21. The odds of getting that, you know, the odds are in your favor. Yeah. Especially if the dealer's got like a, a three, four, or five. You know, there's, yep. there's more nine, 10s and 9s and stuff in the past. Just you play the odds. And this monkey split his tens and made me lose my bet. And I I counted the cards after that. Why did you lose your bet if he did it? I counted the cards after that. And because of his bet, if he hadn't hadn't split his tens, I would have won that hand. I would have been out of the casino, would have won my money, would have paid for half a dinner. I would have been happy. In the end, lost all my money. I didn't lose much. But but, but wait, take me back here. Why is his splitting hurt you? Because then he takes a card that I would have got. So, uh. so let, let's say he had, had, had sat on his tens, I would have got the next card, and I would have won that bet. Instead, he took the next two cards, and then I ended up getting a t- uh, something else and, and uh. bust, or I got a crappy card. If I'd got the card I was supposed to get, I counted cards, I would have won. Idiot. Uh. So the two basic rules. You never split tens. If the dealer has a six... <laughs> If the dealer draws a six as their first card, you sit on whatever you have. If oh, you've really? got 12, people always think, oh, I've got 12, that's a crappy hand. If the dealer's got a six, you sit on whatever you have. <sighs> blackjack 101. So wait a second. I want to know what Belinda does while you're playing blackjack. She sits in behind and be supporter. <laughs> that's what she does. No, she, we split the, We basically got 60 bucks out. She had 30, I had 30, and um, I got mine way up and then lost it all. And uh, she didn't actually end up spending much. We went to the Crown. Have you been to the Crown Casino in Melbourne? No. Oh, you'd be, you'd be loving it here, John, but we, we've been there a couple of times, haven't we, babe? We lost $10. Played oh, the, the, two, the two-cent pokey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lasted like five minutes, and that was the end of that. Well, a bugger this, just taking our money away. But I'll tell you what I did do, John. I went, because Joe was doing some, we've done a lot of shopping. I kind of finished it. Joe went and did some shopping. So, and we got some food at the Crown Casino. And then the NBA basketball finals on. Do you, do you like basketball? Yeah. Only because we've got a Kiwi sort of was involved, but I've lost interest since he hasn't been involved. Basketball's I've watched it on the news. It's, it's the most boring game of all time, John. It all comes down to one point in the last minute. And the last minute takes two hours. Oh, we, mm. No lies. Joe goes shopping. Joe goes shopping. When, when, when do we go shopping, babe? What time? We had lunch eleven ten. So you probably left about. You left about. You left about twelve. I didn't. So I. I walked into. The, I heard the basketball playing. I thought oh, I can't bother going shopping. I've done my shopping. I'll watch. I was like, babe, I'll go watch basketball. So I went and watched. I walked in. There was maybe it was in the third quarter with about three minutes on the clock in the third quarter. So fifteen minutes to go in the game. Over an hour, John. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous, oh, yeah. Yeah. ridiculous. And then and then every like like you get twenty seconds of play, and then have a three minute air break. 
it should be brought on as a triathlon halfway in the run time out <laughs> time out I had enough for a while I'm just I just it need to chill out and it was I'll like going again five minutes it did my head and I was like wow this is the most frustrating game of all time to watch <laughs> could that be if you had a sprint triathlon and each person was allowed to have a time out and you'd have maybe an escort for every rider and uh, and then they said right I'm having a time out and everybody's just got to stop for a minute I actually walked out I walked out and protest I walked out oh. with, with 30 seconds to go. I was like, you know what? I don't it's even care It's the end now. of the NBA. The, the, the sports <laughs> had it. Yep. Evan said no. Come Game on, over. Basketball. I remember when I was younger, it used to be so exciting. Oh, maybe maybe I've just got old and boring. So, yeah, that's it. So, yep. So, it been been in Melbourne. Where, where are we up to? We're coming home. Coming home today, Jonbo, on that late flight. Get home at midnight, and then I'm coaching Ooh. in the morning. Didn't think that well. Mm. So, that's bad planning on my behalf. Um, went to the league, John. Okay, did my head in, John. Did my head in. Went to the league. Senna did my head in. You went. The league did your head in. Went to the league. Went to the Melbourne Storm. Go the Storm. And they got they got kicked. So it was a bit of a frustration. But that's all right. Sonny Bill played well. And it was a good game of league. Sitting behind me, Jonbo, at the league. You know, you, I was sitting with all the Storm supporters. And I was getting into it. You know, being an idiot as you are. And uh, a guy behind me, the whole game, was watching another game on his iPhone. Really? The whole game. Watching the, another game, had his iPhone in front of him, wasn't even watching the game in front of him, had the commentary to the other game right in my ear behind me the whole time. It's odd. It was odd, like you wouldn't believe it. And I did the old, you know, the old dirty look kind of, you know, just turn around, you know, give him the old dirty look about three or four times. Didn't even get it. Why would you pay, it was 40 bucks for our ticket, why would you pay 40 bucks to go to a game of league if you're going to sit there and watch another game the whole time? Was he with someone else? He was doing a bit of moral support. No, maybe, maybe his wife was there. No. His wife desperately wanted to watch no. the league. He looked like a Nigel He's No Mates. Solo. He was a Nigel No Mates. It was. No. I felt like saying something. I felt like saying, "Mate, bring your earphones," because I could hear bloody Peter Sturlo oh, commentating so on another game. Earphones. He no, didn't even have earphones oh, on. Right. I was like, "Sort your shit out, mate." I wasn't happy with that. I felt yeah. I get frustrated, frustrated with people like that because did I tell you? But when I went to the movies in Auckland last time I was there, Jumbo. No, tell us, tell oh. us. I'm, I'm the person who speaks out. When you're at the movies, if someone's behind you, do you say something? I would, yeah. If they're talking? I'm, yeah. the, I'm that guy. And it often ruins my movie because then you become self-aware yourself, but I'm the guy who sticks up. So I had these young schmucks behind me, and they were obviously, I think they were a bit drunk, and I think they may begin to be a bit sexual behind me, to be honest, John. I think some sexual stuff may have been happening. And yeah. I'm not just talking a dirty patch. That's all I'm saying. So yeah. I turn around, and I go, look, let like, me in on the action. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. And they didn't, so I really picked his head. <laughs> I said, Sharing, scaring. Sharing, scaring. Or at least could I take some photos? <laughs> so I turn around and I say, Oh, look, excuse me, you know, do you mind being a bit quiet? And they, and they didn't. They just kept talking. And I'm like, You wouldn't believe it. So then I. I so then another guy said, look, can you guys be quiet? And they just didn't shut up. So I thought, bugger this. And I went out and I talked to the usher and I said, look, there's, there's a couple in there and they're just being really out. Can you please come and remove them from the theatre? And they said, no, we can't. I'm like, well, pick it up. So this whole movie, so I end up getting up and moving across the theatre. Protest, John. Some people have no self, no respect for others, do they, John? Exactly. Just like the guy that pushed off the wall this morning doing kick when I was doing a tumble turn. What are you doing? I was about to coming up to Tumbleton. He decided to push off and kick in front of me just with a kickboard. Oh, you went to Pioneer, God, didn't you? End of the show rant, isn't it? You went to Pioneer, didn't you? I did. Yeah, Pioneer peasant pool, that is. 
<sighs> Back in the studios next week, and I've got to line up our next Legends in- Legends interview coming up. So look out for that. Uh, I've got something lined up, but I don't want to make any promises, so I don't get egg on my face. But we'll see how we get on. So next week, back in the studios. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia ka. Ka.